Welcome to Luke 21 Radio, a broadcast explaining biblical prophecy in the tradition of St. Augustine. And now, from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Luke 21 Radio. Thank you for joining us today. We have an exciting broadcast ahead because we're going to wind up our focus on the kingdom. We saw initially in the very first chapter of Paul's letter to the Thessalonians, St. Paul said, Our gospel came to you not only in word but also in power, in the Holy Spirit, and with full conviction. There was some dynamic that was present when Paul preached the gospel to the Thessalonians that exceeded simply him being an apostle doing this. Don't get me wrong, that was a big deal, being an apostle. But what the gospel itself was, was a royal announcement that Jesus Christ is king. And somehow or another, in the very simple process of that announcement, there's the power of God is present to change the hearts and minds in those hearing that message. And this is how the world was turned upside down in the Roman Empire. They knew all about kings. They knew about Alexander the Great because he came from Macedonia, the region of what we call northern Greece, where he came from. They knew all about Caesar. And now they learned about Jesus Christ. The others were just shadows of the true king of the world. I'm excited about the broadcast today, but let's begin with a word of prayer. Lord, open our eyes that we may behold wondrous things out of thy word. Amen. One of the most significant factors in the study of biblical prophecy, which we're calling eschatology, the study of last things, involves the question, when does Jesus' kingdom reign begin? And then a second related question, where does it primarily function? In other words, where are we to look for it? I mentioned last week a school of prophecy very popular in America, Great Britain, and anywhere in the world where American televangelists have gone. It's called dispensationalism, the school of prophecy about the rapture at any moment. That is based on certain fundamental understandings of the kingdom. And as I explained as we signed off last week, the view of dispensationalism is that Jesus' kingly reign begins somewhere in the future. In other words, at some point in time in the future, there's going to be what they understand as the rapture. That will be followed by seven years of tribulation, and then and only then will Jesus inaugurate his kingdom reign, in their understanding, a literal 1,000-year millennium. In contrast to that, in stark contrast to that, the kingdom is right in front of us this very moment. The kingdom was announced by St. Paul in the rapture book of the Bible. It's 
Thessalonians is. We're going to see in next broadcast. This is the heart of all rapture teaching in chapter 4, and yet at the very beginning, by Paul announcing the gospel, he's announcing the coming of the kingdom. I'm going to uh, share with you two important sections from the Catechism of the Catholic Church. And one of the questions I like to ask myself, why do people who really love studying the Bible— Why do people who love studying biblical prophecy, why do people who are very sincere miss this? I mean, it's something that's been around for 2,000 years they believe hasn't even begun yet. Well, these two sections from the Catechism of the Catholic Church will explain to you why. Section 567, 567, the kingdom of heaven was inaugurated on earth by Christ. This is my interjection, just at his first coming. The kingdom shone out before men in the world in the works and in the presence of Christ. The church is the seed and beginning of this kingdom. Its keys are entrusted to Peter. Why do good people, Protestants, who are studying night and day biblical prophecy, miss something so big as the kingdom of God. Well, (laughs) if the kingdom is growing in our midst, uh, primarily centered in the Catholic Church, and they're missing the Catholic Church, they're missing the fact that Jesus gave the keys to the kingdom to St. Peter, and they don't recognize the Pope, well, is it any wonder they're gonna be missing the kingdom? Do you see this? This is such a huge mistake. Now, I need to backtrack just a moment. Because there are many Protestants, unfortunately, you don't hear enough from them, who share the Catholic view of Christ's kingdom being a present reality. In fact, our Orthodox brethren believe the same thing as well. But what's going on in, in modern circles today, in other words, if you walked in a Protestant bookstore, probably 90% of the titles, if not 95% of the titles, will all be from a dispensational viewpoint that Christ's kingdom reign is somewhere in the future. And again, here's another section from the Catechism showing where it's in the church, 865. The church is ultimately one, holy, Catholic, and apostolic in her deepest and ultimate identity because it is in her that the kingdom of heaven, the reign of God, already exists and will be fulfilled at the end of time. Wow, that's pretty big. (laughs) And I must say, it's quite discouraging having realized as a Protestant that the kingdom is a present reality, having wrestled for quite a while over Matthew 16, that Jesus, in the context of giving Peter authority in the church, hands him the keys to the kingdom. The only verse in the New Testament where kingdom and church is in the same passage, and then becoming a Catholic, realizing that Yes, Peter was given the keys to the church, but finding those in that church 
have so little appreciation for Christ as King in our very midst. You know, uh, years ago, my wife Karen and I were visiting Scotland thinking of doing some missionary work somewhere over in Great Britain or Europe, and we met with a campus leader, and he gave me a little paperback with one of those million-dollar titles. The paperback was talking about the church, but how the church had kind of forgotten her identity. And the little paperback was entitled Cinderella with Amnesia. And the cover of the book showed Cinderella sitting there, kind of scratching her, her head, puzzling, you know, what is this shoe for? And honestly, um, I had to think this week as preparing this radio broadcast, the Catholic Church today is Cinderella. Um, she is Cinderella. The kingdom is in her midst and has been here for 2,000 years. And there's those outside of her looking for the state of Israel in the future millennium to be the center of the kingdom of God. And here it is right in our midst. And here's another one. How many times on Catholic radio in the last, I don't know, half dozen years, have you heard the term the new evangelization? Well, to evangelize means to gospelize. It, it, the, the very word evangelism comes from the Greek word for the gospel. To evangelize is to proclaim the kingdom. And how many times have you heard of new evangelization from the pulpit, on Catholic radio, in print, in Catholic newspapers? And how many times of all of those times you've heard about the new evangelization, have you heard about Christ as king? And yes, I realize that uh, we have a feast of Christ the king. And then you'll hear a homily entitled something like King of Hearts. Well, if you ever hear somebody talking about the Feast of Christ the King using the expression King of Hearts, you know they've been playing too much poker. Uh, King of Hearts is a, is a playing card. The Feast of Christ the King is not at all about uh, an individual personal piety and love for Jesus as King. Don't get me wrong. That's absolutely necessary. But there is something in the gospel way beyond personal piety that's capable of turning the world upside down. It's capable of getting Caesar riled to the nth degree. And yet we have a new evangelization. And instead of turning the world upside down like St. Paul and his companions did when they came to the church of Thessalonica, we've uncrowned the king. We've domesticated him. He's just, um, we say Lord and Savior. What do we mean by Lord? Practically nothing. Because Jesus as Lord means he's king. And the very feast of Christ the King was instituted by Pope Pius XI in 1925 through an encyclical entitled Quas Primus, Q-U-A-S-P-R-I-M-A-S, or entitled in English, On the Feast of Christ the King. Go into your Catholic bookstore and ask for the encyclical. You know, if it's just an average Catholic bookstore, I'll give you five bucks if you find it. Um, it's generally just gone. It's been vaporized. 
And that encyclical says that Christ's kingdom, his empire, includes not only Catholic nations, but the whole of mankind. And there isn't a difference when it comes to his kingship between the individual, the family, or the state. All men are under the dominion of Christ. And this is something that we have to wrestle with because even in our country, we're saying one nation under God, but that's kind of a generic one. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 9 and 10 say this, God has highly exalted him, that's Jesus, and bestowed on him the name above every name, including Caesar, including the names of other gods, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Now, verse 11, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father, that Jesus Christ is King. Do you realize that in the history of our country, particularly after the Civil War, and there has been about five attempts, that people thought, you know, we're really lacking something. And this preamble to the Constitution of the United States has been proposed five times. It's now forgotten, but here it goes. We, the people of the United States, humbly acknowledging Almighty God as the source of all authority and power and civil government, the Lord Jesus Christ is the ruler among nations, his revealed will is the supreme law of the land, and in order to institute a Christian government and form a more perfect union. Does that sound un-American? Abraham Lincoln said, quote, the general aspect of this movement I cordially approve, unquote. Luke 21 is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. To learn more about biblical prophecy and to order copies of Luke 21 broadcasts, visit us online at luke21.com.